in bad news, though, Operation Choke Point promises to take crypto bankless, but in the bearish way, uh, perhaps crypto's biggest regulatory threat ever. Bankless Nation, it is the second Friday of February. David, what time is it? Ryan, it's the Friday Bankless Weekly Roll-Up, where we cover the entire weekly news in crypto, which is always an ambitious endeavor, especially this week. An insane amount of shipping, uh, some extra large FUD, and we're going to cover it all on this roll-up here and now with, of course, coffee. Coffee, coffee as always. Yep, in my Ember mug, too, so it's uh, it's nice and piping hot. David, you are back. And uh, your voice still hasn't fully recovered, although it's better than it was yesterday. So, like, how many days of recovery and, and w- what happened to you? Yeah, my voice is slowly coming back after going to the Starkware sessions in Tel Aviv, Israel, and doing nine interviews, which the Bankless Nation will notice that the first four of is on their podcast feed. So you can go ahead and listen to those. If you like, if you just can't make it out to conferences, don't worry, because Bankless has your back. I bring out an entire podcast studio with me, including three microphones, and I in- interview everyone who's founder, builder, developer of that particular ecosystem. This conference in choice was uh, the StarkNet world, uh, and sometimes I put my voice on the line, too, to get that done, and that's why you're going to be hearing a little bit raspy of a voice on this weekly roll-up this week. Big, big sacrifices to make this happen. Uh, mm-hmm. m- many Gothams died for this uh, information, <laughs> a little Star Wars reference for you um david i always thought you were just going to the conferences for me man but i guess it is about the listeners too i seriously i appreciate that that's one of the great things about um people don't know the the partnership between david and myself it's just like a yin yang type thing mm-hmm. where he does all sorts of stuff that i'm like ah, i don't want to go to a conference david's mm-hmm. like i absolutely want to go to all the conferences yeah. And so it's a really good fit. And David's like, uh, I don't want to do accounting and bookkeeping and that sort of thing. And I'm like, oh, that's fine for me. I enjoy it in a weird way. Oh, so weird. <laughs> that's what weird. makes this partnership work. Yeah. Uh, anyway. Also, just like the, the disposition of who I am at a conference is like, I just want to talk with as many people as possible. But I also hate small talk and receiving pitches. And so in order to defend myself from getting pitched by everyone all the time, I schedule out interviews, longer form <laughs> interviews. And I'm like, oh, I'm sorry, you I'm busy. Talks, I'm interviewing people. But not the small talk. Yeah, I'm not, like that too. Yeah. You know what's mm-hmm. funny is um, I know you've characterized yourself as an introvert. But I think Once if somebody met did, you yeah. at a uh, conference, I don't think they'd see an introvert. Yeah, everyone is surprised. Like I say, oh, yeah, I'm kind of introverted. And everyone's like, what? No, you're not. <laughs> and, and actually, I, I have had to actually rethink that. Yeah, because, because there are true introverts that just really there, don't. Yeah, there are people who are more introverted than me. Talk. But also, like, coming into crypto, I have discovered that it has created uh, a more extroverted, outgoing person in me. That is uh, something I've noticed. Look, uh, it come for the money, but stay for the personality improvement or the, the psychological oh, sorry, yeah. changes, the which psychological also happens change. to be the subject of my talk at Shelling Point in Denver. What? If you want to talk about the way that permissionless self-sovereign protocols change the psychological disposition of the societies that organize around them, if that talk Here's interests that. you, definitely go to Shelling Point. David's uh, been waiting Denver. years to apply a psych degree yes. to uh, crypto and then the Finally. moment has come. Six to, years, six years in the making. This is great. Yeah. Well, it's, it, it's, it's super unlike Bankless to shill its own content on the show, Never. but you can, you can tell we've got a lot of hot content mm. coming at you, David. And I've been looking at our podcast schedule too. I mean, we're recording three podcasts over the next like three days, three yeah. working days yeah. with some real big names. Um, oh my God. I, there's the, I think it's some of the hottest content lined up over the next yeah. like 10 days that I think Eric Howell. Yeah. This is, uh, in crypto ethics. We're talking about mm-hmm. that. Uh, Eliezer. Mm-hmm. Um, 
AI Bigger Brain. We're talking about AI. We're this and this isn't just bankless following the AI trend. This is yeah. This is not about AI tokens. <laughs> this is not about AI. Tokens. This is really AI. I mean, real this AI. guy's like a big brain. I'm. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's incredible. That he's these choosing to come on, and then Annie Jacobson. Oh my god, uh, it's coming so at excited you. for the Annie Jacobson. And episode. she's going to. Can tell I take us, a moment to shill it really quick? Well, okay, but he, here's my uh, take on it. She's going to tell us if we have to hide from our government if the government is coming right. after people in crypto, right? Not, I wouldn't say that that's the most accurate way of the theme of the content. The, the Annie Jacobson content, Annie Jacobson is an author who does not really know much or care about crypto and doesn't need to in order to talk about what we're going to talk about. She's written books, uh, like, uh, The Pentagon's Brain, which is an exploration into how the Pentagon thinks and how it's organized. And this subject matter is, uh, there have been, there are many intelligence agencies in the United States, uh, that, you know, the CIA, the Pentagon, et cetera. That, and there also throughout history has been a number of countercultural dissident movements. And there have been ways that these intelligence agencies have engaged with these countercultural dissident movements. Infiltrated. Infiltrated, yes, perhaps is the correct word. Uh, uh, and so while Annie doesn't have any specific knowledge about how the CIA might have been chosen to engage with crypto, the idea is that we, we can talk about all of the different strategies that they have infiltrated other movements, and it's up to the listener to connect the dots and extrapolate this into how uh how you know because the cia might have infiltrated uh you know the 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 crypto world the question is how well do you really know your crypto your friends, yeah. podcast co-host like how well <laughs> do you really know that person that's a question i intend to ask annie okay well Should so I like the the I'll, I'll jump to the conclusion of that episode there are we it, don't know it, the conclusion yet well, we the, the, the punchline, I'm pretty sure. Well, okay, okay. So Annie Jacobson spoke at the A16Z Founder Summit, which is a retreat, which is how she came onto my radar. And the, the conclusion is like, yo, if you are in the social networks of crypto, the VC networks, the, uh, the media networks, the likelihood that someone is a plant is like, that's looking back throughout history as how this has happened throughout other uh, dissident movements is likely. And so like I look at myself and I'm like, oh, I moved to New York to be a part of the crypto socialite crew. I have the, one of the most extensive media networks in all of crypto. Chances are, you know, somebody the, CIA, the CIA really wants to be my friend. <laughs> well, maybe they probably already are then. Yes. And if they've wanted and it, then there's they are. someone who's my friend who I was probably already invited over to my apartment who's probably listening to this and is like, Oh fuck, they're onto me. <laughs> <laughs> Thanks, David. Paranoia increases 10x. You guys appreciate that? That was like a whole eight minutes of shilling bankless content. Yeah. I'm sorry. We got to get to the the roll up okay. content today. Roll-up all right, mm-hmm. is Biden Operation Choke Choke Point? This Operation Choke Point we're going to talk about is it coming to kill crypto? We'll talk about that. What else we got, David? DCG and Gemini hug it out. Maybe we'll get some of Happy our money ending? back. Uh, perhaps a successful resolution. And so if you have money and Gemini earned, stay tuned to find out how much money that you may get in return. And also, Ryan, you've noticed this. I've noticed this. It is absolutely ship season. So many teams have shipped very cool things, very big updates in the last recent weeks. So we're going to cover it all. Fundamentals are up big. Also, A16Z is a DeFi governance cartel. The manhunt for Doquan. NFTs on Bitcoin continue their exponential growth. ARK's audacious Bitcoin price targets. This roll-up is absolutely jam-packed. I'm really excited for this one. So stay tuned for this all. 
Uh, all right, David, let's get to markets. I think we got some happy news this week yet again. It's it's only happy news. What is Bitcoin no, doing on the no, week? It's, it's not happy, Ryan. I don't know what you're talking about. It's uh, we're down five point four percent in Bitcoin. <laughs> where price. have I been? Yeah, where have you been? Nice. <laughs> Wait, try, was brother. yesterday happy? Uh, no, it's been it's been. I mean, it's not been like super sad, but it's been a down week. We started the week at twenty three thousand eight hundred dollars. So embarrassing, guys. Down. David puts these numbers in before the roll up, and clearly, I don't even read them. And I am uh, so zen this year. I'm not even checking prices. <laughs> yeah, it's well, big, Ryan, only being down five point four percent is apparently not down enough to be on Ryan, Ryan's radar. <laughs> Uh, Bitcoin currently coming in at $22,500. Oh, sad. Sorry for that. I wrecked you guys. How about ETH? Is that down too, David? Don't less, tell me. Less down, but still down. Yeah. Starting the week at 1675, uh, 1675, down 3.2% to 1620. Um, yeah. So down, down on the week. Uh, not overly bad, especially with like, so we're going to talk about this banking FUD, the, this operation choke point. And we're only down this much. I'm like kind of really optimistic about this. And so very rarely in the Bankless Weekly roll-up will we give a forward-looking market uh, take. But I saw this here, and this is from uh, crypto trader Hornhairs. Three weeks of compression and higher lows on the ETH price chart. And so you can just see this triangle wedge forming. Uh, and he's and he is claiming that the resistance, the $1,700 resistance, which we talked about last week, is uh, perhaps fading away. And when that resistance finally gets chewed through, uh, we go up and to the right. Now, this is the ether price we're looking at, but this is probably also true for overall market indicators. Um, I think there are more bullish indicators in the market than there are bearish indicators in the market. And that is despite all of this banking flood that we'll talk about so shortly. Did we just do TA on Bankless? We just did TA on Bankless. We have done this like twice before in all of Bankless Weekly Roll-Up history. And now we have done this a third time. Let me click away. I mean, you said we don't do um, price predictions, but we actually do. They're just like really long-term. Yeah, right. They're like Like, the 10 plus year price predictions. ETH is going to 10K. It's absolutely going to 10K. Uh, how about ETH Bitcoin ratio? What's that looking like? Yeah, up a little bit on the week. We are up 2.3% on the week. We're at 0.072. David, look at these charts from Kraken that, that we're showing. Um, it's, uh, it's really Can good. Can I talk about I'm one of my favorite features here? Yeah. So the URL for this, uh, you know, pro.kraken.com slash app slash trade ETH hyphen BTC. You can actually just like delete BTC and type in USD if you want. You can type in trading pairs in the URL. So like, you know, I mean, you have it also pulled up in the fantastic modular UI UX that Kraken has. So you can, you can look at multiple charts at once. So you, they're tabs, they're tabs. And, but you can also drag and drop them and make them modular. So you can pull them out if you want to look. Yo, at them we got tabs and tabs right now. Tabs inside of tabs, but you can also intuitively change the URL like, I don't know if other people do this when they navigate crypto, but it's just like, if you want to type in any like, like ticker, you can do it straight through the URL to get what you want. I think it's great. Can I do the, uh, soul BTC ratio? What's that looking like? Let's see, let's see if they got it. Soul BTC. Boom. There it is. Straight from the URL. That's pretty amazing. Yeah. Big screen. Love this stuff. Yeah. Um, Good job. Good job, Cochran. Look at that. Look at that. You're a trader now, geez, Ryan. Wow. Look at this. I, like, I need, Kraken I need is a, turning a trader a out of Ryan. Wow. <laughs> Never thought it possible. Maybe behind me. Live <laughs> updates all the time. So I can keep track of freaking prices. Apparently I don't <laughs> yeah, do that. Clearly. Um, global <laughs> crypto market cap. Are we above a trillion, David? $1.1 trillion. That's all I need Slightly to know. down on the week. That's all I need to know. Okay, let's talk about some market stuff going on. Uh, one is ultrasound money just keeps getting more and more, more ultrasound. ultrasound. <laughs> ETH is at all-time lows. 
in terms of deflation. Po- has, post-merge all-time lows. Yes, post-merge all-time lows. Ever since the burn started, mm-hmm. no. No, ever since Techn- the merge happened. Yeah. This is I kind of consider low. all ether supply metrics before the merge kind of irrelevant now because this is we are so close like do we could, Oh, is that a good take, David? Maybe there's yeah, only I think so. maybe there's only two dates in crypto. There's BM yeah. and there's AM. Before merge and a, yeah. at least in Ethereum, if um, if you want to be an ETH maxi about it, you can say for all of crypto, but at least know. in Ethereum I kind of like it. I kind of like that. it. Yeah, so like all Ethereum monetary policy kind of resets at the merge and now like and now we are at all-time lows uh PM post merge. Okay, and that's uh, so how much have we burnt? 14,000 ETH? 14,000 ETH since the merge. Uh, 20,000 ETH since, since the top of the supply. Jeez. So oh. the, the top of the supply, when the ETH supply peak happened and not too long after the merge, it was at a little over 6,000 Ether plus positive 6,000 Ether. We are now at negative 4,400 ETH. When the burn starts, it just uh, keeps going, David. I think that's what your take is here. What mm-hmm. do you, what, well, actually, let me read it. Uh, I'll try I'll try in your voice. The 24-hour record for ETH burn was set on November 8th, the day FTX went insolvent. That's a fun fact. 3,600 ETH was burnt, fire emoji. Today, we burnt 1,800 ETH. 3,600 ETH was burnt during crypto's worst crisis ever, and now we're burning 1,800 ETH on a Wednesday. That is Wednesday. on a Wednesday, folks. Yeah. Just mm-hmm. a typical Wednesday for ETH, and we're burning 1,800 mm-hmm. ETH. Ethereum, yeah. Ether. The, 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 we're burning like an average over a 30 day period. We're burning like an average of like 12 to 1300 Ether per day. David, it's that must so mean awesome. a block space is in high demand. What block are we looking space at here? Is in demand. That is an equivalent statement. Ether burn means block space demand. Uh, and this is, uh, Hill Dobby, who's just got great, uh, gas analytics. Uh, he's pointing to a couple events here. The Ethereum merge, the FTX bank run, and the floor of gas prices is up only. We haven't seen like, uh, below 15 Gwei gas prices in months now. Uh, and this is, this is to me, Ryan, like gas prices could go down. They could go back down to where it was. They could, you know, level out. But a crescendoing floor of gas prices is what a bull market would start with. Isn't this okay? Do you remember like 18 months ago when this was like the most bearish indicator ever? Mm -hmm. Gas price on ETH was going up, therefore bearish for Ethereum. Do you remember this? Yeah. You mean 2021 with the triggering of all layer one season? Yeah. Yeah. This, this Uh was like, I don't know. Was it December of last of, of 2021 or uh, that, that was kind of the the peak of this, I think was Mm -hmm. a Suzu tweet where, um, he, he criticized Ethereum for sitting around watching (laughs) circle jerking to the burn circle. Is that what we're doing? (laughs) We are currently doing this. Yes. Okay. Well, but, um, so are you happy about this? Are you sad about this? Or are you like, is this, I, high gas fees are bad for ETH, aren't they? Or are they good? I'm confused. Tell me, tell me what to think. I will take Suzu's point when he tweeted that and say that if all the Ethereum proponents who were talking about how awesome the burn was were perhaps not being sensitive to how much Ethereum gas costs were costing people that weren't able to buy Ether at a cheaper price, of which it was cheaper not like four or five, six months prior. So I'll take that point because at that time, layer twos of round Ethereum were not nearly as mature or developed or as cheap as they are today. Today... Layer twos are 
in production with blossoming DeFi and NFT ecosystems, there's not much you can do on uh, an Ethereum layer one that you can't also do on Ethereum layer two. So now when we, you know, circle jerk about the ETH burn, there is also a way for all users to experience sub 10 cent gas fees and do all of the crypto Ethereum things that they would like to do on any of the layer twos that they choose. So now I declare that it is once again appropriate for the ETH maxis to circle jerk about the burn. Okay. Well, declare well th- th- thank you for telling tell, telling me that, David. Thanks for the clarification. <laughs> you have permission. Because <laughs> I needed that permission. <laughs> I, it, what, what basically saying is, look, the cost of living in Manhattan is going up once again, mm-hmm. but why don't you live in the suburbs? Um, that There's tons yeah. of uh, cheap housing and affordable things to do in crypto on the Layer 2 ecosystem. David, this is uh, the daily median gas price. Is this another view of the same thing from mm-hmm. Hildabi? Uh, that's exactly right. Just gas gas has definitely hit a floor at bottom in the September 2022 and has been up only since then. Do you know Looking what? Um, Ethereum block space Ain't the only block space that's selling and yeah. going up. Let's talk about Bitcoin. Bitcoin block space. Block space. The ordinal up effect. In what demand. is this? We love this. So this is Bitcoin block space going all the way back to January of 2022 uh, into February of 2023, where we are now. And you can see Bitcoin block space breaking all time, uh, all time highs in terms of uh, how much actually how much size they are. Uh, and so the ordinals effect have increased the total size of Bitcoin, the average mean of Bitcoin block space uh, to highs that it has not yet seen before, which means, of course, Ryan, that more people are paying for Bitcoin block space. It's and bullish. as we have been saying, block space demand is bullish. And so congrats, Bitcoin this is one of the strongest properties I've seen out of Bitcoin in a very long time. This is great. Space demand is great. What this is, this, this uh, is a marker of sustainability mm-hmm. of the Bitcoin network. Yes. Of course, this is how it pays for defense yes. in the future and security in the future is through block space fees. So those blocks have to be worth something. Okay, we talked about what's happening, but why is it happening uh, so ordinals, which, uh, there was a, we did a show with Eric Wall and Casey Rotomore, who is the creative ordinals. Eric Wall, I tap him in as my Bitcoin technical Bitcoin co-host. Ryan? He's my Bitcoin, okay. my quick Bitcoin. I tap him in when I need help explaining Bitcoin stuff. Uh, so him and I, uh, talk to Casey, who is the guy who created ordinals. Uh, and this is what we're looking at this chart, which is absolutely exponential as soon as ordinals has came, come into the mainstream. Which is the NFT. Mm-hmm. It's the, the thing that allows NFTs, uh, on Bitcoin. Exactly. Yeah. Uh, and it's actually pretty simple how, like how it works. Uh, basically, uh, the Bitcoin UTX MOMO, model unspent transaction output um is basically oh, oh ethereum has an account model as in you have your ethereum address and you put all of your tokens in there bitcoin has a utxo model which is that every single bitcoin is actually like a unique denomination like uh 13.7 bitcoins is like a bill that's like 27.42 dollars like a unique bill that's for bitcoin what ordinals does is they turn a, they make a bill out of one satoshi which is the smallest denomination and then just append data to that and that's what an nft is on bitcoin uh, and the minting of Bitcoin NFTs, ordinals on Bitcoin, is just going exponential. It has not slowed down. Uh, Did you ask them, why didn't somebody think of this years ago? But they, needed, for- they needed both SegWit and Taproot. So it was specifically a Taproot thing. That's um, right. Uh, but, Which is relatively recent. But, but also at the same time, like Bitcoiner culture isn't really one to like enjoy a lot of non BTC use cases mm-hmm. of Bitcoin. Yeah. And so like, this, this is, is why this is controversy. Some and like some like uh, Luke Dash Jr. is a Bitcoin core dev is like, 
people have lied and tricked the code in order to make this happen, which I think is one of the worst takes I've ever heard. Trick the code? You can't trick code. That's not how I it works. Uh, but anyways, uh, ordinals, uh, brand new demand for Bitcoin block space. Really cool. All right, so bullish Bitcoin. But how bullish are you, David? If you want to be Kathy Wood bullish, mm-hmm. that is Kathy Wood of ARK Invest. Her bull case right now is $1.48 million per Bitcoin. In, okay, that's in, 2020, in 2030. By 2030. By 2030, I should say. Yeah, yes. it's not happening this year, according to Kathy. Yeah. Uh-huh. The bear case, you want to hear that most bearish possibility, Kathy Wood thinks could happen for Bitcoin, 258K mm. per Bitcoin. Um, actually, I could see the bear case playing out. What do you think about these numbers, though, David? Um, I gave my takes. I think that bull case is extremely bullish. Um, while Bitcoin perhaps might be able to tick that amount, I do not think it will ever be able to sustain a $1 million price. And the reasoning, and the reasoning behind that is this math that is on the screen here. Bitcoin at $1.5 million in 2030 means that it's issuing $2.33 million every 10 minutes in block rewards. New Bitcoin being minted every 10 minutes is going to be worth $2.33 million. When Bitcoin hit its 2021 peak, it was issuing $400,000 per block. And so Kathy Wood's bullish Bitcoin uh, prediction would imply that Bitcoin would be issuing $2.33 million every 10 minutes. And that is why Bitcoin can't sustain a $1 million price tag because no bull market could ever sustain $2 million of flows out of Bitcoin miners because they have to sell. Bitcoin miners have to sell. So that $2.33 million of issuance per block every 10 minutes comes out to $330 million a day of issuance for miners, which not all of it is sold immediately, but ultimately generally becomes sold. Like 90, 95% over time ultimately becomes sold. How will anyone, how will any asset be able to sustain itself under $300 million a day of net sell pressure? Uh, that is, I, I don't think Bitcoin can ever sustain a $1 million price tag because of this math. Well, um, eventually that block subsidy will drop to zero though. Um, yeah, but then so does the security and that's a different issue. Yeah. I, I think, uh, bankless listeners, hopefully you're seeing the way that bankless David and I at least think about mm-hmm. these assets. It's mm-hmm. very much about flows. how much, yeah, it's about flows. Uh, it's about how much of block space, the product that block, uh, blockchains create, are you selling versus what is the cost of the sale through issuance, um, and, um, and through other, uh, other, other kind of transaction fees. So that is Bitcoin. Uh, mm-hmm. what about this other leg up, which we've oh, seen, which is man. these AI tokens? Yeah. Um, here's a headline from Coindesk. The AI token search traffic spikes as crypto traders seek exposure. What in the world are AI tokens, David, and should I buy some? There are a certain class of tokens that are uh, at various levels of relevancy to the world of AI. Uh, most of them are not very related to AI. Like some people, people are looking for it. How do I get exposure to AI? And so they're going and buying AI crypto tokens. The level of how much AI is actually integrated into these assets and actually meaningfully giving AI exposure to these assets is extremely suspect, which brings me to my take, which, uh, uh, which is, are some of these tokens though, like, um, Singularity Net, 
Syscoin, Fetch.ai, Brain Chain is a 2017 ICO darling token, which I have not heard since then. I mean, we're looking at seven days of about 160% for yeah. Singularity uh, net. Yeah. And so you're saying like it's basically there's a narrative, which is chat GTP um, mm-hmm. is really cool. And mm-hmm. so, so is crypto. And <laughs> now these like AI tokens are kind of taking that narrative. Are, are, are you saying it's basically a narrative trade? It's basically a meme trade because this is, this is a tweet that I put out and I didn't really expect this tweet to get over a thousand likes. I just put this out there, but uh, I guess it, it ticked and ticked the right nerve with certain people. I'll give you one too. Thank you. Uh, let's make something clear is what I say. There's no material integration between AI and crypto. You cannot put AI into a blockchain. You cannot make a token that has AI in it. That doesn't make any sense. Uh, AI, and so I make the claim that AI's, AI tokens are meme tokens. It is just a narrative trade. It's just a meme trade, not too dissimilar from Dogecoin. There so, are so ways, like Numeri is a token that legitimately does use real AI to achieve its end goals, but it's the end goal that you should want exposure to, not the fact that it just uses AI. Does so that make sense? Are you saying it totally makes sense? Are you saying this is a dumb market? This is a meme trade. There is no such thing trade. as a it's a meme trade. You know, yeah. uh, chat GPT for on the crypto blockchain. That yeah, there's no exist. chat GPT on the blockchain. Okay, chat, not saying chat AI GPT is not cool. train though or chain would uh, I if at a certain value we're going to see that. Yeah, <laughs> I'm sure we're going to see that this cycle. <laughs> Uh, you know what is kind of cool though is mm-hmm. a bright spot in the market too is NFT Fi. Mm-hmm. It's processing record number of loans. So are people lending and borrowing against their NFTs now? I know that was a an idea that we started talking about about two years ago, and now we're actually seeing it in the numbers. Eighteen thousand ETH borrowed in January. That's a lot of ETH, David. That's a lot of ETH. Four hundred forty-four million dollars in monthly volume in January from NFT lending. So this is using your NFTs as collateral to borrow. Uh, ben Dow had volumes of thirty-six million dollars. Four thousand four hundred loans were made in January, which is almost double the the previous peak. Uh, so NFT lending coming into the the world, uh, the numbers are up bigly. I gotta say, David, despite the detractors, NFTs are still um, pretty strong mm-hmm. during this bear market, and we're seeing it in actual NFT find usage of NFTs. Um, it hasn't collapsed the way mm-hmm. some people thought it would. NFTs are doing pretty well. Well, there's a there's a huge amount of capital, quote unquote, that's like locked up. Okay, so like there's a big difference between something like the United States and the legal system that we have in the United States, and like third world countries and the legal system there. A lot of people in third world countries. Or, you know, countries with inadequate legal systems can't use their house uh, as like a, as collateral. They can't get a mortgage on their house just because they don't have assurances. Like the legal system isn't set up. America does have that. And so people can use the value of their house to access capital. And this has been a huge boon of wealth for America. That's why one of the reasons why America is so great is because our legal system allows us to tap into capital. This is a, the same effect. I'm applying this to NFTs previous to now. And if the capital that's locked up in value of your NFT, your hundred your hundred ether CryptoPunk or your hundred ether uh, board ape, you can't access that capital without selling it. With NFT Fi, you can access that capital without selling it, and so there is a wealth effect that is generated for all of the NFT holders because they are able to use smart contracts to tap into the capital of their assets. And outside, importantly, this is outside the bounds of a nation state. So it doesn't yep. matter where you live. Yep. You know, another um, way f- to describe what, what you talked about is kind of legal assurances. Mm-hmm. Settlement assurances. Settlement assurances. It's effectively what legal assurances are. And Ethereum gives us 
stronger settlement assurances too. David, we got a lot more to cover. What's coming up next? Coming up next, did you have money in Gemini Earn? Because you might be getting your money back. Stay really? tuned. Yeah, Ryan, some good news. So Ryan, stay tuned. I will tell you exactly how much you might be getting back. Okay. Uh, in bad news though, Operation Choke Point promises to take crypto bankless, but in the bearish way, uh, perhaps crypto's <laughs> biggest regulatory threat ever. Uh, and the manhunt is on for Do Kwan. Meanwhile, Kyle Davies is ignoring the subpoena for the Three Arrows Capital lawsuit, bag boys, bad boys on the scene, all of this stuff and more as soon as we talk to some of these fantastic sponsors that make this episode possible, especially Kraken, which is Bankless's strategic sponsor for 2023 and has helped Ryan enjoy charting a little bit more this year. <laughs> Thanks, Kraken. True, true story. David, is the Biden administration coming after crypto? What is Operation Choke Point and what is happening? What's been the stir this week as we've learned more about what the administration's doing. Yeah, Operation Chokepoint is a historical, fu- uh, something in history not to do with crypto that really just talks about uh, how uh, government institutions, government administrations can use the banking sector to debank industries that they find unappetizing. Uh, so Nick Carter is uh, tweeting out, I don't want to raise the alarm. I don't want to sound alarmed. But since the turn of the year, a new Operation Chokepoint type operation has been targeting the crypto space in the U.S. It is a well-coordinated effort to marginalize the industry and cut off its connectivity to the banking system, and it's working. The, uh, the original Operation Choke Point was like an o- Obama-era thing, you know, oh, 20, really? yeah, 2012 and 2013, and it was like targeted oh, towards, gambling. you know, all the kind Online of gambling. gambling. Yeah, yeah mm-hmm. all the, all the, um, uh, the poker Yep. Websites got oh, kind okay. of shut down almost overnight. And then which it was is, expanded. Which is why later. they started to use Bitcoin. Right. That was a big, big impetus of Bitcoin adoption. And then, then it was expanded later into other, you know, nefarious uh, industries, you know, mm-hmm. the marijuana industry and, right. and others like it. So right. now what Nick Carter is saying is basically there's going to be an Operation Choke Point 2.0. Indeed, it's already begun. Mm-hmm. And this time in the target sites is the crypto industry. And he's brought some evidence to the table too. Right. So what what are some facts that he, uh, he mentions that are relevant to this uh, case? Yeah, so he wrote this fantastic blog post, uh, and just I'll read some of the experts here, excerpts here to give it, give the summary. See, he begins, what began is as a trickle is now a flood. And by the way, all of these events have happened in the last two months or so. The U.S. government is using the banking sector to organize a sophisticated, widespread crackdown against the crypto industry, and the administration's efforts are no secret. They've expressed plainly in memos, regulatory guidance, and blog posts. However, the breadth of this plan, spanning virtually every financial regulator, as well as its highly coordinated nature, has even most of these steely-eyed crypto veterans nervous that the crypto businesses might end up completely unbanked. Stablecoins may be stranded and unable to manage flows in and out of crypto, and exchanges might be shut off from the banking system entirely. The Biden administration is now executing what appears to be a coordinated plan that spans multiple agencies to discourage banks from dealing with crypto firms. It applies both to traditional banks who would serve crypto clients and crypto first firms aiming to get bank charters. This effort includes the administration itself, influential members of Congress, the Fed, the FDIC, the OOC, and the DOJ. So there's intergovernmental agency coordination here. So then Nick goes on to list off some of the events that have shown this effort. 
On December 7th, Signature, which is a uh, active bank serving crypto clients, announces its intent to have deposits ascribed to crypto clients, which basically means they'll give customers their money back and shut down their accounts, drawing its crypto deposits down from $23 billion at the peak to just under $10 billion as it's exited stablecoin businesses. I've had this happen to me, by the way. They just send you a Dear John letter and say, say yeah, goodbye. we're cutting you a check. See you later. Yep. yep. No due process. On January 3rd, the Fed, the FDIC, and the OCC releases a joint statement on the risks to banks engaging with crypto, not explicitly banning banks' ability to hold crypto or deal with crypto clients, but strongly discouraging them from doing so on a safety and soundness basis. January 9th, Silvergate stock, which is probably crypto's biggest bank. uh, One of the only banks in the U.S. that would bank the exchanges and such. Yeah, the stock falls to a low of $11.55 on bank run and insolvency fears after having traded as high as $160 in March of 2022. January 27th, the Federal Reserve denies crypto bank custodia's two-year application to become a member of the Federal Reserve system, citing safety and soundness risks. Safety and soundness is a reoccurring theme here. Uh, uh, 27th of January, again, the National Economic Council releases a policy statement not explicitly banning banks from serving crypto clients, but strongly discouraging banks from transacting with crypto assets directly or maintaining exposure to crypto depositors. February 2nd, Department of Justice Fraud Unit announces investigation into Silvergate over their relationship with FTX and Alameda. February 6th, Binance suspends USD bank transfers for all retail clients. January 27th, the Fed issues a policy statement which discourages banks from holding crypto assets or issuing stablecoins and broadens their authority to cover non-FDIC-insured state-chartered banks. On February 7th, that same statement I just talked about is entered into the Federal Register, turning the policy statement into a final rule with no congressional review or public notice or comment period. And lastly, uh, there's more. I'm just pulling out the big ones. As as February 8th, Protego and Paxos's applications to follow Anchorage and obtain full approval to become national trust banks are outstanding past the 18th month, month deadline and appear likely to be imminently dem- denied by the OCC. So hopefully this gives you just a flavor of how broad and coordinated and intentful this effort to debank the crypto industry has become. We can you can tell why it's called Operation Choke Point is because right. the banking sector that the the state largely controls the the U.S. largely controls and the executive branch uh, can uh, apply pressure to is is choking off the crypto industry. Uh, mm-hmm. Nick Nick says this too. In some banks taking deposits from crypto clients, issuing stable coins, engaging in crypto custody, or seeking to hold crypto as principal, have faced nothing short of an onslaught from regulators. In recent week weeks, time and again, using the expression safety and soundness, there it is again, they've made it clear that for a bank touching public blockchains in any way, it should be considered unacceptably risky. Do not touch an, a blockchain banking industry or we will come after you. That is the, uh, the message that the executive branch is sending right now. Yeah, the whole strongly discouraging them is basically just like, uh, don't do that. And we want to get investigated. Yeah, do, yeah, exactly. It's like a, not a threat. That's also a threat. Uh, Jake Stravinsky, who is a lawyer that both Ryan and I trust very, very, very much. Great, great guy. Uh, he tweets out, this is accurate. Talking about Nick's take. Uh, without new legislation from Congress, federal agencies lack the authority to comprehensively regulate crypto markets. So their fallback position is to weaponize control over the banking system to mandate discrimination against crypto companies. This must stop. 
That's what it is. It's mandated yeah. uh, discrimination, isn't it, against mm-hmm. crypto, against the industry. Yeah. Uh, this is Senator Bill Haggerty, who tweets out, regulators, signal- regulators singling out business activities should alarm all Americans. It doesn't matter if it's crypto assets, firearms, or any other lawful business. Using, using banking regulators to advance political agendas should not be tolerated. Yes. Thank you, Senator Bill Haggerty. Appreciate the take. That's great. I'm glad you're a senator. Look, um, I think this is apolitical, right? If it, yeah. if it wasn't the Biden administration, then maybe it would be the Trump administration. And uh, obviously, people in crypto, bankless, would come down just as hard on that industry. Yeah. This is about using the banking system to uh, undemocratically uh, control certain industries and to restrict us from the ability to freely transact with our money. Mm-hmm. That I think is a breach of American values of our constitutionally uh, granted liberties and should not, cannot be tolerated. And it's seeping in. It's not a declared policy, but we can see the effects in the last few months. And I do think David, look, SBF didn't do us any favors. Did he? All of this kind of gave those who maybe already wanted to come after crypto an excuse to come do it. Yes. No one can stand in our way now. Crypto is, uh, you know, clearly a scam that we have Mm -hmm. to, we we have perfect cover in order to execute this operation choke point. point. All we have to do is say SBF, the name FTX, uh, and we'll get whatever we want. That's what seems to be happening. Yeah, there's absolutely no coincidence that this started right after uh, FTX, and the, the the powers that be were just asking for an excuse to to do some of this stuff. Um, and also, it, this should hit really close to home because what we're doing in crypto is building systems that intentionally cannot do this. Like this is what we are trying to prevent: freedom to transact, no political control over money and economics. So this this isn't just like, oh, they're coming for crypto. This is exactly what crypto is standing up to remove the powers of. And it, it was your take last week, Ryan, that I really, really liked. Separate government from money. Separate money from, uh, separate finance from political powers. Thanks for that, James Madison. Uh, I got to give credit to that guy. I think yeah, he had some guy. important things to say on the subject. Um, yeah, so also, uh, this is sort of related, sort of unrelated, but it seems like local Bitcoins is closing down. That's certainly a shame. Uh, local Bitcoins was a way for you to exchange Bitcoins mm-hmm. using the internet as kind of a facilitator, but actually meeting up in person mm-hmm. and doing the, uh, kind of a swap in person. It was, it was completely it's, decentralized. It's like a Craigslist for Bitcoin. Peer to peer, right? Yeah. Um, in the analog way. So it's, uh, like, it's like trading cash for crypto. And you would meet up and somebody would give you cash and hit you. They would swap for crypto. So you would have to like meet with this person. There are also like you could have a, a third party um, uh, custody person if, if you wanted to have that as well. But like, I mean, you can kind of get why governments don't want this. But also it's cash and we should be able to trade cash. Well, I don't we do. know if this was this is not related. This is just local Bitcoins, I think had to close it a, a while ago uh, a long time ago uh there was um uh government regulation specifically going after local bitcoins over over maybe t- over two years ago so the big local bitcoins has been like in the crosshairs of regulation before well, it's regulators. not only local bitcoins it might be uh institutions that provide staking in the u.s this mm-hmm. just happened um before we recorded this the, the day before our recording from brian armstrong we're hearing rumors that the sec would like to get rid of crypto staking 
in the U.S. for retail customers. I hope that's not the case, as I believe it would be a terrible path for the U.S. if that was allowed to happen. Brian goes on talking about how it will drive uh, staking offshore, will not help the U.S., uh, on its path towards becoming a more innovative uh, economy. It will set us back, all of these things. Uh, again, the SEC is another branch of the executive. You know, So this would fit into the whole narrative of Operation Choke, Choke Point. Um, this is still a rumor, Brian Armstrong says, but the fact that he tweeted it means that he mm-hmm. wanted to make a statement. He wanted to get the news out there. David, can you imagine if Gary Gensler and the SEC came after staking in the U.S.? Retail staking. So that almost implies that if you're wealthy, you can stake. So it's basically like another discrimination, discrimination against the poor. Sorry, you know, you're pleb. You're too poor to stake, uh, but poor rich to institutions make money. can. Um, it also remains to be seen if this would extend outside of kind of the institutional staking of of a, of a Coinbase, for for example, or a centralized mm-hmm. exchange. And would it ex- extend to like a rocket pool, David? Would yeah. it extend to a Lido? Would it extend to a home validator mm-hmm. that you're running? Can you imagine that? What a breach of uh, our liberties that would be you're if that happened to in make the United money States. At home. You must do it through an institution. Give me a break. Like I, I – I don't even know. This is, again, it's rumor. And I feel like some of this is, um, obviously Twitter is kind of optimized for maximum FUD. It's probably not as as bad as it all sounds, but it's clear something is going on here and uh, we need to brace ourselves. We need to be ready for it. Yeah. When Brian tweets out something like this, when he starts a tweet thread and the thread says, we're hearing rumors that the SEC would uh, like to get rid of crypto staking in the U.S., like Coinbase lawyers are connected. This isn't this isn't Brian just like, oh, I heard a rumor. This is Coinbase's lawyers who absolutely know something, who's like, Brian, we need to use your messaging and, and platform and, and, and Twitter account to broadcast this to the rest of the industry. This is so like we're hearing rumors. This is the, the rumors are substantial. I can almost guarantee you that. This is uh, definitely the U.S.'s loss. And people are saying, well, this is the end of crypto and the U.S. can choke off crypto. It actually can't choke off crypto. Uh, it can choke off the U.S. The U.S. Right. can't kill crypto, but the U.S. Right. can kill the U.S. if it wants to. <laughs> the age-old line is you cannot ban Bitcoin. You can only ban your citizens from accessing Bitcoin. Uh, there's a difference there. 100% you are true. just doing a disservice to your own citizens. There's more from Gensler this week. Uh, I can't believe this headline. You want to read it out? Yeah, uh, so uh, you think this stops at staking, Ryan? Uh, Gensler states that NFTs are a gateway token. Uh, appearing th- before the students of George Washington High School, SEC Chair Gen- Jerry Gensler called NFTs a gateway token during his speech about the dangers of crypto. The talk was a one-stop shop on a campaign called Just Say No to Crypto, Bro, which Gensler <laughs> designed to warn younger generations about cryptocurrency. <laughs> You didn't give okay. me that time, David. No, I didn't get you that I time. I read this no. in the agenda ahead of time. So uh, th- what's this from? This is not true. This yeah. is not true. Even Although, true. if you believed it, you would be remiss because other things that Gary Gensler have said has been like this. The uh, this is a rug. Token. So if you believed it. that without noticing that this was a rug, congratulations, you got rugged. Uh, this is a product out of the bankless DAO. The rug is basically the onion of crypto. You can go to therug.mirror.xyz. Last week, we just started doing this. Last week rugged. was the second time we did it. Ryan got rugged, and he's the one who Live. pulls up the links in the first place. I know. Imagine that. <laughs> it makes it even better. Uh, and so uh, there is a bunch of other headlines. Check them out. They're really great. There's a link in the show notes. You can also collect this rug. 
This is a collectible rug. You can collect this rug. Remember, kids, just say no I thought this was great. I thought this was awesome. Good one. Uh, Genesis versus DCG. David, am I going to get my money from Gemini Earn? How how much? How soon? Give me the deets. Uh, the is not completely locked in stone, but people have done some math. They've done some nap- napkin math and come up with a number of about 80% under the con- current proposal. Re- Genesis creditors expected to receive 80% recovery under the current proposal. Uh, this decrypt article states that uh, there is a Genesis Global reveal their new restructuring plan between Genesis and Digital Currency Group, their, um, their conglomerate, uh, which enables creditors to get their money back. So where are all the funds coming from? How is DCG and Genesis coming up with the funds to make Genesis creditors whole? Well, first off, Genesis, of course, has some funds. They didn't go to zero. They have some funds to start with. Um, in addition to the funds that Genesis has, DCG is also selling Genesis Global Trading, and so they will generate some money for that. In addition to that, DCG is also exchanging its existing notes amounting to $1.1 billion for stock and refinancing $1 billion of loans. So it's getting money that way. And they are also moving to sell blocks of shares in the trust that they have. So they have a Litecoin trust. They have a Bitcoin cash trust. They have an Ethereum classic trust. I don't know why they have an Ethereum classic trust. Uh, they also have a digital large fund cap. And so they hold their own assets in their trust. And so they are sell- selling their trust funds on the open market at a large discount by the way uh and so people are buying these trust assets for very significant discounts of the net present value in the actual trust uh and with all of this selling and an additional ryan 100 million dollars from gemini to make its own earn customers whole again to pay for the fault of genesis all of that is coming up to about 80 cents on the dollar. So this is the napkin math that has been calculated. If you are um, a Genesis creditor, and that includes Gen- Gemini earned customers, uh, you are perhaps going to get 80 cents on the dollar. Probably not soon, but maybe, uh, may- hopefully this year. Do you know what? I Look, th- this feels like a very adult thing to do. Mm-hmm. Everyone took risk. Everyone gets a little bit of a haircut. All right. Mm-hmm. Uh, DC, including customers, including customers. Including customers. I, I, I use Gemini Earn. It was risky. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, before I deposited, I knew I was getting into. I feel like I should get a haircut for this. Sure. Uh, not a hundred percent haircut, please, please, crypto yeah. gods. How, how do you feel about that twenty percent haircut? Um, fine. I'm. Yeah. I'm not gonna say I deserved it. Um, but <laughs> I kind of like it wasn't a bankless thing to do. The the reason that I I've used some of these centralized exchanges is to to kind of test them and compare them uh, versus right. DeFi. Um, it's not a large amount of money for, for for me. I think for some people, the lesson will be much more uh, painful because they had a large portion of their funds inside of these accounts. They weren't using them in the yeah. way I was using them, and that does feel a little lopsided and unfair but still what happened was dcg is taking a big haircut which they should gemini is acknowledging some culpability and uh you know um contributing to this and uh depositors uh take care of it much different than what's going to happen with celsius and BlockFi. i don't know if you're <laughs> going to get anything from celsius well uh, no because alex mishinsky totally rugged you BlockFi, you might get something uh, yeah. i don't think we're going to get anything close to 80 percent from either no, of those cases not. Um, so it's, uh, it's unfortunate, but I'm glad that both the Winklevosses mm-hmm. and Barry Silbert could kind of come to terms on this and figure this out. There's a lot of back and forth publicly on Twitter before this happened, mm-hmm. but this seems to be a reasonably good outcome for depositors. So, mm-hmm. uh, look, this was the last domino to fall and it feels like now it's fully fallen. We dealt with 2022. Can we, sim- can we safely say that now, David? Well, now we have to deal with all the regulatory blowback, but okay. the crypto side of things, <laughs> I think, right. is coming to a close. 
just I'll just say that um, the Winklevi twins and, and Gemini kind of get a lot of flack, but I mean they don't have to put up a hundred million dollars, and but they are anyways, and so uh, I just want to give them some quick props. Yeah, uh, that's good. It was also probably a good business decision. Yeah, I mean, they probably, didn't come out of this probably. looking uh, looking clean, so that's yeah. maybe the uh, the cynical view of it. But uh, mm-hmm. yeah, it's um, it's good, good outcome. David, what do we got coming up next? Coming up next, Arbitrum enables devs to BYOL. What's BYOL, Ryan? Uh, is that does that stand for bring your own language, David? No, it doesn't. You just made that up. But that is what's happening. <laughs> I wanted uh, to say, it, guys, thank you. Yeah, David. exactly. Yeah, Lido V two brings Lido's path towards decentralization. Uh, MakerDAO releases a financial performance report. We're talking about the A16Z governance cartel, uh, as well as a number of other really cool stuff. Uh, stay tuned for all of that very cool stuff and more. But first, a moment to talk to some, uh, to some of these fantastic sponsors that makes the show possible. B-Y-O-L, David. I'm going to say it again. <laughs> Bring your own language. Uh, that's what Arbitrum is doing. At least that's what I interpreted. Can you talk about this big development upgrade? I know some of the folks from Prismatic Labs, now part of the Arbitrum uh, ecosystem, are very excited about it. But what's happening in Arbitrum world? So Arbitrum is announcing Stylus which is what they are calling a next-gen programming environment upgrade for the Arbitrum chains, Arbitrum 1 and Arbitrum Nova. What is Stylus? Stylus uses WebAssembly to prove all kind of programming languages and run smart contracts on Arbitrum using languages like Rust, C, C++, Haskell, Python. The move programming languages from Aptos and Sui, well, now, using Stylus, you can use that on Arbitrum. So the idea here is both Arbitrum and Optimism have gone after what we call EVM equivalents, but that is really optimizing for solidity. What Stylus is, is perhaps like a sidecar, these attachments, plugins, that uses WebAssembly, and WebAssembly lets you use any programming language, which is why Ryan has created this term, bring your own language, which has never been uttered before in the history of ever. (laughs) Never. Uh, And so this is why Arbitrum is calling this EVM plus, as an EVM plus literally every other programming language. It's pretty awesome. This has never been done before. This is a very big deal. It all, this is a, yeah, if uh, awesome. If you're not a de- developer and you don't know that that the Haskell and in Python and, and C++ and everything that David mentioned, this is a really big deal. Like mm-hmm. Ethereum's been trying to do this for a long time. It compiles yes. all down to the EVM, but you can mm-hmm. bring your you can bring your own language. The third time I got that in, nice. uh, so uh, it's pretty cool. I don't know if I'll be able to do it with like I've got a little bit of HTML experience and you know, oh, think from I can, your uh, MySpace days. <laughs> yeah, you think I can? Thanks. That's how old I am. Do, you I, think I can, how, where do you think I learned HTML? It's from my space on myspace yeah i remember we were talking about geocities one time though and you're like what's geocities i don't know where geocities okay the the ogs the internet ogs listing no know what geocities was um (laughs) take my word for it uh yeah this is how you can date ryan and date david that's the line that is drawn (laughs) yeah i I came into geocities david gallon during the myspace days and uh Yeah. yeah well here we are now um there's more going on in the dev ecosystem that is good news, though, too. Tell me about Starkware. They're open sourcing their prover technology. That sounds like some geek speak. Please, uh, Bankless, explain it to me, David. So uh, ZK rollups, which is what Starkware is, uh, require provers. Uh, optimistic rollups require fraud proofs. Uh, ZK rollups require provers. And Starkware has announced their plan to open source their prover, which will allow individuals to review the code, detect bugs, transparency, all the stuff. This is a one of the critical steps for the decentralization of our layer twos. 
However, it's kind of the step that is the most esoteric. And if more people didn't know about the prover, that would be kind of okay because it's kind of niche, but it's still important nonetheless. Um, notably, they did not actually announce when they would do this. They said that they would uh, open source this at the time that they needed to decentralize Starknet, but uh, they still a good it. step. It's kind of an announcement of an announcement. They're, they announced that they're committing to it, which I think we actually kind of assumed, anyways. David, this was really cool. Um, MakerDAO, they released a financial performance report mm-hmm. on the protocol. All right. And uh, this is all in IPFS. This oh, is so, so cool because cool. yeah. it reminds me of like just like, you know, how you look up a, a 10K or quarterly earnings report mm-hmm. for uh, your favorite stock. At least I used to do that back in the day. It's, it's my favorite activity. <laughs> is it really? This no, is the equivalent. No. <laughs> I mean, but like, it's so, it's so cool. Look at these key financial results for the Maker Protocol. This is all on chain revenue. Mm-hmm. that they're able to kind of generate these reports from and then put it on IPFS. These are unstoppable organizations. That's what a DAO is. It's mm-hmm. an unstoppable, I'll put in air quotes, corporation on Ethereum. doesn't have a jurisdiction. I could go on about this, but what do you think was cool about it? For the podcast listeners who aren't looking at the screen, uh, what we're looking at on screen is a financial statement report that looks exactly like what a boomer would love to see. <laughs> this is a this is speaking boomer talk, uh tradfi talk. This is a financial statement report for the Maker Protocol. Again, hosted on IPFS, which is pretty damn cool, and it is organized with just like in the in the way that an Excel sheet and like year ending, year over year, all of these terms, net operating earnings, total operating expenses, total net revenues, blah 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 blah. All of these things that would make tradfi able to understand yes. what's going on here. Yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. By the and way, so when, cool. bankless listeners, and for all the baby boomers listening right now, when David says the term boomer, sometimes he's using that as a term of endearment. And that was that at was least such half a case. the time, I'd say. Yeah. Da- David uh, calls me a boomer oh, when yeah. I do something you get, that's like you're getting excited mature, about this. <laughs> or I talk about like taxes or I talk yes. about like things that adults boomer, need to boomer do. Things. Yeah. And uh, so I, I hope you took that as a compliment. That is yeah. uh, just, I'm doing some intergenerational translation here. Yeah. Maturity. Or, uh, it's like people maturity. that require mature reports about <laughs> yes. what's going on in DeFi would like enjoy adult this. things. Adult right? things. Yes. Yeah. All right. Uh, um, what do we Bo- got? Yeah, a boomer things and adult things are, are mostly, not all, but mostly synonymous. Here we go. Uh, A16Z, they voted against a proposal to deploy the latest Uniswap iteration on the BNB chain, yeah. flexing their token governance power. A lot of people were upset about this. Uh, can you tell us about the controversy and, and some of the takes here? Yeah, so people are uh, gearing this up as a VC versus v- VC governance war. So it's A16Z versus Jump Crypto. Uh, A16Z backs, and this has to do with the bridge that would uh, that connects um, uh, the governance, uh, the uni vote between uh, the wormhole B- bridge. The wormhole bridge. So like wormhole is backed by Jump. Uh, A16Z backs Layer Zero. But there was a the- propo- there's a proposal to put. Um- Uniswap on BNB, and then mm-hmm. there was some controversy over what bridge that they would use. Is this yes. right? This is well. Okay. This is what people are assuming is being fought over. So ACCNZ wants Uniswap to use the Layer Zero bridge, which is their product that they invested in. Jump wants Uniswap to use the Wormhole bridge, which is what Jump invested in. And so now these VCs are fighting over this. Um, I don't actually. I don't think Jump Crypto voted with their tokens, but it was the uh, wormhole bridge that was used in this proposal, which A16Z used its governance power to veto. Uh, and so uh, the debate about this 
which bridge to use is partly about security because we all know the dangers of layer one, uh, cross layer one bridges. Um, A16Z used 15 million of their uni tokens to vote against the wormhole bridge for the Uniswap V3 deployment. Uh, so Do you this, have a take on this? Some people are outraged calling uh, this an A16Z cartel. What's your take? Yeah, so I'll give my take at the end. This is uh, Steven's tweet, uh, Do- Doge Tosi from the block, uh, and a quote from the community go- that he's quoting says, if A16Z goes against the community vote and tries to tank it, I'd be shocked. That would be truly abhorrent. I don't think that they would go that far. And then he follows up uh, with, you know, narrator, they went that far, but, but that far because that's, that's what they did. Um, however... Uh, there is Eddie Lazarin, who I believe is at uh, A16Z, who tweets out this, uh, seeing many false claims about A16Z's crypto's voting power in Uniswap Foundation governance. Let me clear it up. A16Z, we delegate 40 million votes to outside groups with no conditions on how they vote. We vote with 15 million tokens, less than half of what we've delegated to others. So A16Z has given their governance power of the majority of their tokens to others, and they say that they don't have any influence over their vote. And so the A16Z used 15 million of their uni tokens to vote on the proposal that they wanted, and that swayed the vote. And it, the thing is, it, though they were the only ones that really voted for the no to reject. Almost everyone else voted yes, uh, which is why this is controversial. Um, but I mean, the vast majority of voters, just tokens, didn't vote at all. We yes, should specify yes, that, that's too. That's a very good point. Like, we're some, sub, like a minority of total voters. How do I feel like this is a, a VC cartel? Yeah, not really. I'm kind of like mad about this whole thing. What do you, what's your take? My take is similar. I think it's kind of like it's it's token voting. Like it's we're token all vote. clear on this what, is what that this means, is. right? Yeah. The protocol states that those with the, the majority of tokens uh, win the vote. Like mm-hmm. It's literally what it says. Um, right. I, I think people need to realize that some of the decentralization and the token voting around these protocols um, is like actually not pure decentralization. I and mean, the most decentralized right. part of Uniswap is the code that runs Uniswap. Right. That's it. After that, you have varying degrees of decentralization or centralization. This token vote is very similar to the governance mechanism for publicly traded companies or for any uh, pool of capital that has kind of some sort of shareholder vote. So I've never exalted the idea of token vote in my mind and thought that this was somehow um, some panacea and somehow more decentralized than uh, shareholder voting models. I've always thought that, look, it's just the shareholding shareholder voting model that we've we've ported into into crypto we're not making that part of things any more decentralized so i'm not sure if it's decentralization that's really the issue here it's it's that a16z win against the community the everyone else they are they are they have like yeah right um, they are the community they are the community yeah uh uh-huh like that's that's the deal and also just to to give the pro side of the a16z argument just another one more line is like yo like Let's not discount how cautious and conservative that we should be when it comes to which cross-chain layer one bridge that we should support. Uh, and if A16Z, who has the resources and manpower and technical capi- uh, capacities to vet the security of cross-chain bridges, feel that the wormhole bridge is insecure, which has already been hacked once, by the way, um, not to say that their bridge, Layer 0, can't be hacked, but if that's what their expert opinion is, they have the resources in the world 
much more than the community, the the retail of the world, to actually vet that bridge. And so yeah. I think we should actually appreciate some of their abilities to do due diligence beyond well, I th- retail I think we diligence. should consider it for sure. And for, for those who are saying, oh, look at Ryan and David are now A16Z apologists. No, that's not what we're saying. VC apologists. Like um, the ultimate remedy for this is the ability to go fork the Uniswap code and spin up your own Uniswap. Um, The decentralization of Uniswap is that A16Z, no matter how hard they ever tried, cannot shut down the code Mm -hmm. and turn the thing off or ban you from using Uniswap. That is the decentralization that that makes Uniswap um, actually bankless. And so governance layer aside, I think there are far more ways to preserve the decentralization of protocols that are built on crypto versus the real world. David, what's going on in the NFT world? I see a tweet here from Linkin Park. What are we looking at? Yeah, they have a new music video, Lost, which is getting a ton of attention and hype. Uh, the reason why it's relevant is that uh, the beloved artist People Pleaser, the the artist that created the Uniswap V3 X times Y equals K uh, NFT movie, which created Pleaser Down, which has already also done so much stuff. People Pleaser, the artist, uh, created the directed the music video for Lost for Linkin Park. Uh, I, congrats. Uh, People Pleaser is a, a dear friend of mine. Uh, I think she's becoming probably one of the iconic NFT artists of this space. Uh, the fact that she's working with uh, Linkin Park, I think, is fantastic. You know what else she's done, Ryan? Um, before she came into the world of crypto, she no. did the um, cinematic uh, shorts for Diablo 4. No way. Yeah. Uh-huh. <laughs> Diablo cool, Diablo right? has some epic cinematics. It's oh, yeah. uh, that's yeah. amazing. Yeah, she she did she does killer work. So is there an NFT related to this at all? Is sorry, is this gonna be an NFT? Uh I actually can don't I buy know, this actually. Oh, this uh, is all I, about people pleaser. This, this is all about people don't. pleaser, yeah. Okay. <laughs> all right. So I don't believe that there is an NFT, but the it's it's people pleaser and also her startup Shibuya, who's kind of like a uh choose your own adventure type of a production studio so their community does have tokens nfts and using those tokens you can choose the outcome of what this production company will make their story like uh so shibuya is also part of this uh, music video for lincoln park so just an overall success for uh people pleaser and shibuya the a, a crypto DeFi nft native team so that's how it's related david so coffeezilla is somebody who exposes scammers Mm-hmm. And is been doing a lot of scam exposing in the crypto, crypto space scam, yeah. lately. Mm-hmm. Uh, this is a tweet from CoffeeZilla just just earlier this week. We just tricked Dylan Danis into promoting a fake NFT project. We paid him a thousand dollars to post. He didn't disclose it was an ad and posted copy that literally spells out S K A M. That's not scam. how you spell scam. That's not how you spell scam. How do you spell scam, David? You spell it with a K. S C A M. That is scam. The word scam, so, David. So he's promoting, uh, he got, again, CoffeeZilla told Dylan Dan, says, hey, we'll pay you $1,000 to promote this. It's our NFT project. It's called Sours Candies Are Moonbound. <laughs> S-C-A-M. Uh, and then Dylan just tweets this out. Lovely. Check this out. Sours NFT Candies Are Moonbound. Uh, hashtag not financial advice. And then SoursNFT.com. Uh, what this man did not do, Ryan, if you scroll down, is that he did not go to the website. So CoffeeZilla follows up and says, the entire project is fake. And if you mint it, it takes you to the website devoted to all the scams that he has done in the past. He being Dylan Danis, the guy that's tweeting this out. Who is so the this website, guy? Who's Dylan Danis? Some, some MMA fighter, like uh, not okay. related, not relevant. All right. Um, just a, so like an they made a, they made a website. 
that is of all of these scams that Dylan Danis has promoted. And then they paid him to promote this token mint. And the token mint website was actually this website that was about how all of Dylan Danis has promoted scams. So the guy didn't even check the link. Wow. And he did it for a thousand dollars, right? That's some poor thousand dollars. How much would you sell your uh, reputation and integrity for, David? At least two thousand dollars. <laughs> <laughs> Guy's well, lowballing himself. I mean, what do you think? What do you think of this kind of like honeypot activity by people like Coffeezilla, like uh, baiting oh, the influencers? And I think getting, it's awesome. Do it more. Yeah. Oh yeah, please. Uh, I you know I will content. say this is maybe a good time to shill our disclosures. Bankless.com/slash/disclosures. I actually think we do a pretty good job of this, David, which is... I think we have the best disclosures in the crypto industry. I don't if, know of anyone who has more uh, strict disclosures than we impose on ourselves. If you see somebody that's better, um, send them to us. Cause Let we'll us wanna, know, because we'll beat them. Yeah, we'll We'll, 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 we'll change it. <laughs> we will one-up we'll your up, disclosures. We'll, anti, we'll up the ante. <laughs> uh, anyway, you can see um, the, all the sponsors for Bankless, uh, individual investments that we have, uh, investments of people on our team, uh, disclosures of Bankless LLC. Anyway, it's all there. And I, I think this is really important to mm-hmm. hold people who have influence in society to this type of a standard. And we don't have kind of the regulations or the, you know, the ad police. I, n- not necessarily, I don't necessarily want that either, but I do want disclosure to be a social norm across all of yeah. crypto. I think that's really important. Yeah, um, 100%. David, FTX, tell us about the bad boys. So let's start with SBF and then get to Doquan. What's happening with SBF? Uh, this is just FTX debtors want their political donations back. So FTX debtors are sending confidential notes, apparently not that confidential because we heard about them, to the recipients of donations from FTX uh, as lawyers review $93 million in political contributions as part of the bankruptcy case. So they are sending out all of the political figures or entities or whatever I love uh, to saying them, hey, that money that FTX donated to you, uh, you should give it back. Give it, give it back. Yeah, because um, it wasn't his. So, Politicians who received contributions linked to FTX should return the money by February 28th. Some political groups have already taken steps to return the money. The Democratic National Committee and Senate and House Campaign Committees have set aside a million dollars in cash and re- to return to bankruptcy lawyers as well as others as there well. There is justice in the world, David. This is good news. Um, oh, and this is also, uh, if you don't do this, uh, that just means that FTX is going to go to court to claw back the funds. So this is like volunteer to do this now or we take you to court to claw, claw it back so this is like do this the easy way the hard do this, way exactly that's exactly right yeah uh yeah. there was a rumor going on earlier this week speaking of ftx that uh, the super bowl was going to ban cryptocurrency tv commercials now i don't think that's true yeah that said david i don't expect to see many if any crypto commercials this year and that was such a contrast i remember last year right. at this time this like exact half. roll-up last year we were excited about anticipating it was a, all we had crypt- an article about it right and ju- just after it and in fact i hate to say this now it sounds terrible but you got to give ftx credit at least their whoever did their ads they actually had the best ad they had from the last best year one. i but mean now- it's on brand for the scam to have the best one like they're I guess all marketing so. right all marketing i mean it was promotion. such a well done scam wasn't it yeah. i mean you can't mm-hmm. like spf pulled pulled that part of it off yeah. uh anyway but there's coinbase there was who else there was um eToro, there's a whole bunch of them last year. None of that this year. Budweiser had uh, shout-outs to crypto projects. They had the Nouns Goggles, uh, which was uh, the most, what would I call, tasteful and just well-researched way of putting crypto into your... your uh, I don't think we're going to It was a way see. that like wouldn't offend normies because they don't know what those goggles, the noggles were, the Nouns Goggles, but all the crypto people knew. 
This is for uh, those in the U.S. If you're watching the Super Bowl this weekend, if you notice a Super Bowl commercial about crypto, then tweet Bankless. I want to hear about them. If you Wait, see anything subtle. The Super Bowl is this weekend? Uh, isn't it? Uh, I... Look, know. I look. Neither of us know, when which is, is maybe tells you something. Uh, maybe it's another Bowl. fact check. It's sometime in February. Oh, it is. The, oh my God, it's the twelfth. Yeah, what day is that? Well, That's you got this your party weekend. Planned? I had no fucking idea. <laughs> <laughs> big sports fans I over here. No idea. But you do you oh, know but, where? Okay, but the, but the rumor was it was that uh, crypto uh, ads are crypto ads in the Super Bowl are banned. Yeah. They're not banned. Um, two companies. They just uh, don't have any were, money. Yeah, all the, all the money fell through. So two other companies were on the one yard line, they said, a uh, quote from the article, before the collapse of FTX. And then that created the NFT, the NFL, uh, motivated to look elsewhere for their ads. Uh, and so it's not banned. It's just like all the deals fell through. Can we find this guy though? Doquan? We talked about SBF. Uh, where's he? Uh, unknown. And that is what Korean officials are, who they're looking for him. So Korean officials traveled to Serbia to the far reaches of Serbia last week to help seek uh, out Do Kwan, who is a fugitive. Uh, so a, a long time ago, an arrest warrant was issued. Is he still tweeting? Issued. Yeah, dude, he's still tweeting, man. They can't, yeah. like, somehow track an IP address and, like, figure out... I don't know, man. Are they trying? I don't know. How hard are they trying? Know. There's an international red notice out for his arrest, which means that, like, yo, all governments who are anything, uh, if you find this guy, arrest him. Uh, so people are, are going as far as Serbia to find Doquan. Like there's only a matter of time. Like we're going to, we're going to get this guy. Doquan's going to jail. Yeah. Real small world. Hard to hide. Um, Kyle Davies is also hiding David. What's this headline? Yeah. So a few weeks ago we covered the Twitter subpoena because Kyle Davies was also still tweeting. And so since they couldn't find the man, they just tweeted out his subpoena because they knew that he was still tweeting. Uh, and so a quote from this article, a quote from uh, one of the attorneys says he is without question aware of the subpoena having been tagged in 41 replies and 64 retweets. One of those was mine and has once again chosen to ignore his duties to three arrows capital says Russell Crumpler and Christopher He's Farmer been taking who are interviews. overseeing the bankruptcy training firm. Uh, what are we talking really? about? Yeah, cool. Kind Davies was taking interviews like uh, at least a couple months ago. He th- remember he's raising to to oh, yeah. to build a, an, an exchange. Dude, I mean, he's just da- doing this blatantly. It's like, hey, all of the charges that I'm probably guilty for, I'm not going to answer to. Meanwhile, I'm going to stay in Dubai and raise for my and new fund. Also, dude, do you want to invest he, in my startup? Me- did I did I share you, my DMs with him with you? He messaged me, dude. Kyle, I'm going to pull up my DMs right now on my phone. Hold on. Uh, Kyle Davies, when, when did he message me? Monday, January 30th. Hey, David, hope you're well. Sue and I are launching Open Exchange soon. It would be great to get your feedback if you're free this week. What does Kyle Davies expect from me, dude? I am not your friend. I hope you man. told him you were free. And that I would didn't love respond. to do a show. I oh. didn't respond. Well, it's not too late. Go ahead. You want me to do- I'd be curious. <laughs> I would. I just be like, okay. Kyle, so I was joking what? with a few friends. It's like, yeah, I'll do this, but I'm also bringing on five of my friends, and we're going to roast you as as you talk. But uh, I don't think he'd be interested. Yeah, it's not probably not appealing to him right yeah. now. I think he wants to um, pitch yeah. his company. Meanwhile, this is going on. Consensus is fighting to get staking uh, tax free. Essentially, they are backing a lawsuit against the IRS over. St- 
taxing staked crypto. And here's the argument. It's basically some uh, appellates are arguing the position that staking rewards should not be considered taxable income because there's no employer that's doubling them out. It's a protocol. It's not employer. It's just code. They should instead be considered effectively self-generated or created property. And there actually is some precedent for this, David. It's similar to a farmer who grows crops, staking rewards are created by the protocol to incentivize participating in providing security for the protocol. So created property is not taxed until sale. Right now, the tax treatment of a staked income, most people assume, or of staked um, ether or any asset, most people assume is just as income. So you receive it as income and it's taxable income the same way a, a salary might be in your job. Well, this argument that's happening in the court system right now is that uh, it, it should be treated more like growing crops. And when you grow more crops, those aren't that's not a tax event. Mm-hmm. It remains to be seen whether this holds up in court, but um, that would be incredible if it did. That would mean all of the staked uh, all of the staked revenue that people receive is not actually taxable at the time I, they receive. I it. love those words. Yeah, those just when you sell, words. just when you sell. Yeah. We'll see. That, I'm, I'm rooting makes, for him. That makes too much sense. David, it's ship season. What are we shipping? Ship season. What do we got? Oh my God. So much. Lido V2, path towards decentralization. A new architecture for Lido that is supposed to be the architecture that allows for Lido to accept anyone to be a validator in the Lido system. It is a big step, is one of the biggest steps that Lido has needed to take for a long time to open up Lido to more permissionless validation. So anyone, not just a permission set of validators, can join the Lido DAO. This is also where technologies like DVT come into play. Uh, and this is also how Lido can become more modular and composable. Uh, so that is really cool. Congrats this, for Lido. This makes that Lido huge. A, a bit more like Rocket Pool, yeah? In that direction. So this is much more similar to Stakewise's design mm-hmm. philosophy, but overall the same ethos is applied here. Uh, and so cool. we like this. This is more decentralization from what has previously been by some hardliners in the community uh, fixes Lido's too centralized nature. Um, so there's that. Ave Go, G-H-O, is their stablecoin, is now on the Gorley testnet. So another decentralized stablecoin is coming to play to follow after makers die. Curve's stablecoin is also coming soon. There's Element's Hyperdrive. Element is an interest rate uh, vehicle inside of inside of DeFi, totally permissionless. Uh, it has previously been plagued by having to pick, pick a very specific term uh, and having to fragment liquidity across all their different pools. Hyperdrive is fitting into this theme that I've been noticing, Ryan, where a lot of these DeFi apps that have to segment liquidity and pick different terms like library finance compels into this camp um, – they have found a way to put and pool all liquidity together and allow for any term length for any sort of market. And so much more, uh, just much a better, stronger evolution of what Element is trying to do. Congratulations to Element. Uh, there is Infinity Pools, which Dan Elitzer, who is, I got one of these gigabrains when it comes to just like crypto economic on the app layer protocols. Uh, so uh, Infinity Pools is out there. And Dan Elitzer says, this is by far one of the most interesting things I've seen built on top of Uni V3. Any asset, unlimited leverage, no oracles, no liquidations, no counterparty risk. Nailing the UX will be tricky, he says, but this design is, this design is a very cool breakthrough in what I thought 
was not possible in DeFi. I have not yet looked into infinity pools, but uh, I definitely want to because Dan's something like this. I, I pay attention. Mean finance. Mean, mean finance is a dollar cost averaging tool in DeFi. So dollar cost averaging without a bank, uh, have, have introduced their meta aggregator. So you know all the DEXs, Ryan, uh, Uniswap, SushiSwap, et cetera. Well, yeah. they have DEX aggregators, right? Like yeah. Matcha and One Inch. Yeah. Well, mean finance is a DEX aggregator, aggregator. So it's, it's recursing one more time. Uh, if you want to connect to MetaMask and, and try this out, yeah, go so for I it. So I just connect my MetaMask wallet here. Mm-hmm. Uh, let me do that. Connect. And this will allow me to dollar cost average in to crypto positions. So I could mean finance. So that is the invest tab over there ah, on the left. Yes. It is. But you can also swap now with mean finances, DEX aggregator, aggregator. This is awesome. And this is, yeah. you know, in our opinion, the, the most foolproof way to uh, build positions in crypto is to dollar cost average over time. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, I believe mean finance is on multiple networks, including Polygon, I think. It's yeah. fantastic. So rare. And we're not done yet with the ship season. So rare. Uh, partners with the Premier League, which I think is a big deal. The football fans, check me on this. Premier League sounds pretty premier. Uh, so <laughs> from the article, football fans from around the world can now collect, buy, sell, and trade officially licensed digital cards featuring every player from across the Premier League's 20 clubs. I'm assuming this is like, well, the Premier League of football. Uh, I'm, I'm assuming this is a big deal for football. For, for I think fans. it is a big deal, David. I definitely do. You know, the, I am the, striking out on my sports stuff. This, this is episode, the, uh, the tech behind this is um, Starkware, right? Starkware. Uh, so yeah. it's uh, mm-hmm. ZK technology behind this, which is the mm-hmm. thing that you and I geek over about. Mm-hmm. Um, the exactly football, right. the sports stuff is kind of lost on us. A it's a means more, to but, an end. Uh, <laughs> bringing users. David, with all this shipping going on, uh, that means there's been a lot of building. And mm-hmm. to build... We need people in crypto. The Bankless Jobs Board is popping. Been a couple of weeks since we told you about it, but remember, bankless.pallet.com is where you can see some jobs. I'm going to shout some out. Uniswap Labs, they're looking for a senior Woo. software engineer of a protocols. Bankless, we need a social growth lead. That's not technical. And also at Bankless, which needs is dope. a producer. We want a growth marketer, senior backend, TypeScript engineer, and investment associates. A lot of things we're hiring for. Yeah, Consensus Bankless is hiring. God. Wants a director of engineering. Adidas? Are you kidding me? Adidas? Wait, we have Adidas on the jobs. Yeah, global they, head Web three strategy and planning. Bullish. Oh so my bullish. god, I might. So bullish. I could do this. Uh, Pre Po, a senior Web three front end engineer. There's a whole bunch more. Go check it out. bankless.palette.com slash jobs. David, what's coming up next? Coming up next, we got some questions from the nation. We're going to talk about ZK EVMs uh, as well as account abstraction, which has dominated my brain lately. And then we've got the takes of the week as well. So stay tuned for all of that and more. But first, a moment to talk about some of these beloved sponsors that help pay for all of the goddamn content and all the conferences that I go to at the Bankless Nation. Thank you. Guys, we're back. Questions from the nation. Here's one from Faro.eth in the Bankless Citizen Discord. As ZK EVMs rapidly grow to new ecosystems on top of Ethereum, could you outline the major selling points for most prominent projects like StarkNet and ZK Sync? He said, as David, you've recently been to Israel for StarkNet. So tell us about the major selling points yeah. of StarkNet of ZK sync, maybe even of scroll if you're feeling extra ambitious. Yeah. So it's really just, there's a few areas, a few, a few frontiers of innovation that is specifically being hosted by the ZK uh, rollups specifically 
why ZK rollups? Because all the optimistic rollups out there, uh, Optimism, Arbitrum, are trying to be EVM equivalent, EVM Ethereum equivalent, which means there are certain things that are not enabled. Ethereum does not have this thing called account abstraction enabled, which prevents all of our uh, optimistic rollups to have what we call smart contract wallets, which are something I'm going to explain in the next question. But the frontier of account abstraction and smart contract wallets are absolutely happening on ZK rollups. Uh, and so uh, we'll talk about smart contract wallets in a second, but eventually everyone's going to have a smart contract wallet and that is starting on the ZK rollups. Um, Argent, uh, bankless listeners might be familiar with, also Bravos as well. There's some other smart contract wallets that are, that are out there. That's a big one. Massive, massive field of innovation and opportunity there. There's also the world of on-chain gaming. We all know the, the term Web3 gaming and this is generally known as like gaming but with assets. That's different and much smaller, in my mind, of an opportunity than on-chain gaming, which is where all of the logic goes on-chain. Uh, why? Why not? Uh, you can put more composable components of your game on-chain and allow that like metaverse, if you will, to be organically built. Uh, and so this is a, a very limited example. But say like your chess moves go on-chain, like knight to, knight to f3. Great move. Uh, um, that can be composed upon for whatever goddamn reason that you can think of. Uh, and so just use your imaginations. You, your like physical location in Minecraft is stored on chain and that can trigger if this, then that statements. And so more stuff on chain produces games that we can't even think about. And it's the ZK rollup technology that the insane levels of compression that ZK rollups have enables stuff like this to happen. So, so you get more compression versus optimistic rollups. So that's mm-hmm. what separates ZK, ZK versus um, optimistic rollups. Now we have ZK EVMs, but the difference between like Starkware versus um, something like Scroll, my my high level you know take on it is we have like four main ZK EVM types of ecosystems. One is uh, the Starkware ecosystem. Another is uh, ZK EVM from Matter Labs. Another is uh, what Polygon is doing with mm-hmm. you know, Hermes that they acquired. And the fourth is scroll. Now, I think on the far side of the spectrum, the most EVM equivalent, I probably put scroll. Correct. And the least EVM equivalent, that is, mirrors the Ethereum mainnet uh, virtual machine environment. You could just port code from here to here, is probably um, Starknet. They use it's even the a different like it, yes. language. They use um, Cairo. Car- yeah. Cairo rather than Solidity. And and then ZK uh, Sync and... Um, uh, Polygon, a Polygon somewhere in between. ZK, yeah. yeah, it's somewhere in between. That's sort of how I think about them. But it's mm-hmm. like, you know, from a high level, if you're just sort of a user, uh, you don't see a lot of the trade-offs here. It's, right. I think a lot of the trade-offs are going to um, come from developers. actually developers yeah. and the builders. Right. And it will remain to be seen which of these ZK, ZK EVMs um, really hit product market fit and really nail it and what communities they attract. And it's still super early to call any winners or to even understand yeah. which of these ZK EVMs, what niches they're going to uh, exist in and dominate in. Yeah, I think that's right. And I think they're all going to find product market fit in their own particular ways. Um, each one like optimism and Arbitrum are differentiating and what's being built on top of them. And, uh, I think they're all, they're all viable and they're just optimizing for uh, different things. And along with their be relevant BD teams at this stage, use them all, yeah. try them out and see yeah, what you like. Yeah. Uh, um, here's another question from true. Killjoy from the bankless member discord as well. Hey guys, I've heard you mention account abstraction. There you go, David, tee yep. me up there we go. a lot. But I'm wondering if you can explain it in more detail. I'm not sure how to grasp what it unlocks in Ethereum that can't already be done with tools like Gnosis Safe. Gnosis Safe 
course, is a multi-sig wallet. Fantastic wallet. We use it at Bankless mm-hmm. all of the time. Everyone uses this. What's different? Why is account abstraction better? You mentioned smart contract wallets. Is that part of the, the puzzle here? Yeah. So you, you said Safe is a multi-sig wallet. Uh, technically, it's actually a smart contract wallet. And what that smart contract does, Ryan, is enable multi-sigs. Uh, so it's like a semantics, but important. It is a smart contract wallet and that smart contract is meant to be a multi-sig wallet. Account abstraction is this term that is, it's a, one of these terrible words that we come up with in crypto and doesn't really help anyone understand it. But account abstraction enables smart contract wallets on the Ethereum layer one more natively. Uh, Gnosis Safe has kind of had to, to brute force it in a way. Uh, and so what is a smart contract wallet? What is account abstraction? Like I said, account abstraction enables smart contract wallets uh, to exist. And it is perhaps like an EIP or technical standard that needs to be embedded in the actual protocol of a blockchain in order for native smart contract wallets to exist. So uh, like I said earlier, externally owned accounts, which are uh, like uh, public addresses, public accounts, public wallets that are externally owned, externally being like a private key, which is external to the Ethereum protocol. Again, another terrible phrase, another terrible word that this crypto came up with. But to apply a metaphor here to get you to understand what the hell I'm talking about. If Bitcoin is to externally owned accounts, Ethereum is to smart contract wallets. Currently, an externally owned account is a dumb input output only, very primitive wallet. You what? And, you, do and you, let's just be clear: when you, whenever you're saying externally owned account, that is probably the ETH address that you have today. Probably. That's do you, do you use a MetaMask? Do you use a Ledger? Do you use a Trezor? Do you use Coinbase wallet? Do you have a private key? Do you, do you have, have a, a private seed phrase? Yes. These types of things. Mm-hmm. That means by these are all externally owned accounts, right? Correct. And that's what you're yes. saying. Yes. Okay. And so Ethereum is smart contract wallets. Bitcoin is like externally owned accounts. So that's why this is kind of so hard to explain because a smart contract wallet is like a smart contract. It's a Turing complete wallet where your ledger or MetaMask is just, it just signs messages. Your a smart contract wallet can do anything. Uh, and so you can input any bit of code that you want. You can input rules. You can make it expressive. And so the UX upgrades that smart contract wallets will bring to crypto are going to eliminate so much of what makes crypto wallets difficult and unintuitive. And account abstraction unlocks the ability to have smart contract wallets like enshrined into the protocol rather than having to be built on, on top do, of it. Do you know how I would explain account abstraction in just like the dumbest possible way is like you guys know how hard it is to use crypto wallets mm-hmm. even good ones like like metamask for instance or, or ledger it's, it's still really hard to use them account abstraction will make a crypto wallet like venmo as smooth as a venmo or maybe if you're in europe you know, like a revolut like the fintech uh fintech apps where you just log in you get your face id you unlock it you can set limits you can transfer out. You're not paying outrageously high gas fees and hitting, clicking sign transaction, sign transaction. Oh my God, did I just send to the wrong account? Right. It will smooth all of that yes. out yes. and make crypto wallets look like fintech. That is yes. the bottom line. And we can't unlock account abstraction on Ethereum mainnet today, right? That, we need that an EIP. Yes. needs to be implemented first. But we can start uh, in the layer two environment. Correct. And that's what you're saying is, is uh, ZK... Uh, Rollups are really doubling down, tripling down on account abstraction wallet. If you've ever used Argent, for instance, mm-hmm. 
on um where's that deployed is that uh zk sync right so, now so argent has two they have argent which is the ethereum mainnet smart contract wallet which as soon as ethereum left its one way gas fee paradigm it like was in 2019 just it just broke so bad yeah. because we don't have account abstraction on the layer one so while they've Too been expensive. maintaining their argent wallet at the layer one they've really been focusing on what they're calling argent x which is their zk uh, ZK Rollup uh, smart contract wallet, which is dominated by on the Starknet, uh, Starknet layer two. Yeah, and uh, that that's going to be more what the mm-hmm. experience you, you know will be for the everyday users. This is how we mainstream crypto. Right. The, uh, I, I don't have this tweet in here, but I tweeted tweeted this out like you are not using your imagination big enough to understand how big of a deal smart contract wallets are. It is a zero to one moment in wallets. Ethereum was like, okay, let's put software into our tokens, software into our money. That's what an ERC-20 token is, like asset plus software. That's what smart contracts are. That makes it so cool. That's why we love it. We have not yet had that zero to one moment for our wallets. Our wallets are still like just simple Bitcoin input outputs. We are are not having the Bitcoin to Ethereum moment about our wallets yet in Mm -hmm. the Ethereum world. Yep, that's right. Huge improvements coming and getting closer. David, some takes of the week. I'll read yours. All blockchains are illegitimate in their early days. They have unknown founder alignment, poor token distribution, highest risk of bugs and exploits, unknown economic sustainability. Legitimacy is only gained by proof and time. David, you saying a new chain has to earn it? New chain has way? to earn it. Yeah, and actually okay. I have a follow-on tweet if you want to keep on going. I'll go. This is why incumbent blockchain communities haze the newer ones. Don't trust them until they prove they're here for the long term. Bitcoiners haze the Ethereans. Ethereans haze the uh, Solanians. <laughs> did I say that right? So on and so forth. It's not maximalist behavior. It's a healthy immune response. How do you feel about that take? Some people said that that was a pretty spicy take. Um, I completely agree. I 100% agree with it. Mm-hmm. This is a, called the social layer is an immune system. Mm-hmm. If your social layer of your chain doesn't have an immune system, what happens? Imagine if your body didn't have an immune system, David. You had no white blood cells. You get eaten alive. Yeah. You get eaten alive by viruses, by, by malignant grifters. cells, by cancers. And those, All of those um, types try to enter the, the social layer in crypto, um, like scammers and, and grip, grifters. So you have to have some resistance against mm-hmm. them. That said, David, I think like protocols like bitcoin projects like bitcoin can develop a an unhealthy immune system call it yeah, an immune yeah. system disorder right. where the white blood cells just attack everything autoimmunity yeah yeah mm-hmm. and that's that's a big problem an autoimmune disorder mm-hmm. um is that what you meant here uh i wasn't talking about the autoimmunity but yes the natural like all blockchains are illegitimate on day one and they slowly become legitimate over time and i'll kind of give like a if you are a single cycle blockchain you have not yet earned your stripes. You only earn your stripes by coming out of the inevitable bear market that you're going to go through and proving to the crypto world that you are able to make it through a bear market. Because if you David, haven't made it through a bear market, you're not legitimate in my mind. David, you know, I, pl- I apply this to people now too. Yeah, yeah, it's a good take. Like good I, take. I just, I, I don't, does this sound bad? Like I don't trust people who haven't been through a cycle in crypto. Who, right. who didn't make it through one single cycle in crypto in the last cycle? Three hours capital got, got made all their money starting in 2019 and 2020 and then reaped, reaped it all, like just harvested so much in 2021 yep. and then came crashing down in 2022. FTX yep. was not here last cycle, came crashing down in 2022. Terra Luna, a single cycle blockchain did not 
It crashed in April of 2022. It didn't even make it halfway. Don't trust the single cyclers. Single cyclers. Uh, and not to uh, say that, like, if you're a single cycler, you're sharing that and you're like, well, oh, they're elitist. They like, right. what? no, you can, you can become, you, yes. you have to stay here for a while. You have to it, prove it, your stripes. Proof in time. Legitimacy is only gained by proof in time. That's what you said here. Mm-hmm. I apply that to people too. I apply that to projects. I apply it to exchanges. That's why we like working with Kraken. That's why we like other exchanges like Coinbase. How many cycles has Kraken been through? A long time. Literally <laughs> all of them. Every yeah. single cycle. They haven't gotten insolvent yet. Yeah. I mean, that's like Lindy effect there. Yeah. And uh, yeah, so I I agree with that take, David. And just I'd apply it to people too. All right. Uh, I guess we're just reading our own tweets. Speaking out of people, take, yeah, this, this section has become read our own tweets. Um, well, why don't you read it? So it's not that. <laughs> yeah. Uh, this guy, Ryan Sean Adams tweets out, not everyone's opinion on crypto is valuable. A lot of smart people in other areas have absolutely no idea what they're talking about when it comes to crypto. Don't listen to them. Man, are we doing elitist takes this week or what? David, I got fooled by this in my early days. I thought like if you're an expert in something, then you must like know what you're talking about with crypto. It took me a while, honestly, in my crypto journey to like start trusting my own instincts and my yeah. own opinions. Yeah. But I've I've definitely come to that place. And I, I hope I don't overcorrect and be like, I know freaking everything. Right. Yeah. And sure. like there's there's obviously that yeah. failure mode. Yeah. Um but um I mean I was looking at this uh last week, right after the last roll up. Uh, Charlie Munger, notable mm-hmm. investor. I've admired this guy, his investment takes. He's like a Warren Buffett type. Wrote an opinion commentary, why America should ban crypto. It isn't currency. It's a gambling contract with near with a nearly 100% edge for the house. He goes on, Charlie talks about um, the government of China, the communist government of China actually doing the right thing in banning cryptocurrencies because they wisely concluded that they would provide more harm than benefit, uh, he thinks the Chinese communist leaders had splendid common sense. He says, obviously, the U.S. should uh, now enact new federal laws that prevents crypto from... He's calling for a ban on crypto. And um, do you know what, David? This guy's opinion doesn't matter at all. Just because he's an expert in other domains, maybe in stocks, maybe that sort of investing that, that he knows about... Um, he knows nothing about what we're trying to do here and about the like the crypto movement or about these assets. He absolutely knows absolutely nothing about it. And so if you're hearing his opinion, you're going like, well, what does Charlie Munger think? Or some notable economist with a Nobel Prize. Warren right? Buffett. It's like Bitcoin is, is trash. Have trash. they used yeah. Uniswap? Right. Have they um, looked into the fundamentals behind DeFi protocols? Do they understand why Ethereum is worth greater than $0? Do they understand why Bitcoin is worth greater than $0? If they don't, if they can't answer those questions, don't listen to them. Mm-hmm. That's the Have they been through a crypto cycle? No, they haven't even started. <laughs> right. uh, yeah. My, my first um, introduction to this was John, John Pfeffer. Um, you know John Pfeffer, right? I remember John Pfeffer. Yep. Yeah, he wrote this uh, paper about how Ethereum uh, Ether uh, is the the velocity of Ether is too high to be treated as a currency because it's all gas. And so we never accrue value. Never would accrue value. And when I read that, I took that personally, <laughs> and that is one one of the main motivations when I was reading that paper to develop the triple point asset thesis, which is a, a, one of the earliest bankless thesis about how Ether. No, is it not just this uh, velocity gas coin? It is actually the world's greatest monetary asset that humans have ever produced. Uh, and so, Same here. But if I you remember reading are, that paper. Yeah. He was very persuasive, wasn't he? 
Oh, I, no, I thought I didn't believe it at all. I was like, this doesn't make any sense. I didn't make sense to me, but also I was like, but he's a seasoned investor. But yes. Yes. And listen to these arguments. Listen right. to and the, so, like the white paper and the, the language surrounding it and the expertise and the credentialism flowing out of it. Dude, this is where I personally got over like imposter syndrome where I was like, this doesn't make any sense. I'm going to write a thesis that counter argues this and I'm just a no one, but I have differing ideas and I think I'm right. And then I I think I have been proven right. Yeah. Well, I guess the only reason you've actually earned some legitimacy, David, is uh, proof and time (laughs) because legitimacy is only gained by proof and time. Thank you, sir. So it takes some time. Uh, Do you know uh, know the the Planck principle? What's the Planck principle? It's pretty, it's really savage. Um, It's paraphrased as uh, a society progresses one funeral at a time. Well, this is, this is very, very much true of like science. Isn't this what people say about science, right? Um, scientists clinging to like old ideas and new generation has to totally disrupt it. Yeah. Like Munger, Buffett, all of these like very old, older than boomer, like era people are like crypto is bad. Like, well, yeah, you also missed the tech boom, uh, Warren Buffett. So I'm not listening to you. Yeah. Well, uh, someday we will be there, David. And when that day comes, no longer listen to us. There I will suppose. be some some younger generation oh, no, talking I, about how dumb we are. I'm hoping. I'm trying to preserve this open mindedness as I get uh, older. Maybe Hopefully. preserve some of that wisdom, Crypto David. What 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 makes you bullish this week? Well, we went through all of uh, what was going on in ship season, uh, and I had this take last week. Markets are being resistant to bad news. And even though we are down uh, on the week, we are down to 1620 Ether price and $22,000 Bitcoin price. Like we're still up pretty damn good on the year. Like we started the year at like eleven or $1,200 Ether and we had this bad, bad uh, choke point news, which does threaten very much how this crypto world works. We've only dumped a little bit, we dumped two and a half percent since that news came out. So I'm calling that still resistant to bad news. And I think, Ryan, if crypto prices and tokens bounce back from this uh, and it go back into that the, the TA that I was talking about at the very beginning, which we don't usually do, and we go back up to like the high 1600s, maybe 1700s, that is the market shrugging off bad news and being very perceptive to bullish news. So that makes me bullish. Uh, as If we can shrug this off, that's so awesome. And 2023 shipping so far has been like, an order of magnitude greater than what we saw in 2019. And so like just what is being built right now, the fundamentals that DeFi protocols are going through is so bullish, man. Like this is, this is what 2019 felt like. It's like you are watching the fundamentals grow at an accelerating pace around you. Meanwhile, just like everyone else that's not in crypto is not paying attention anymore. That's what I'm bullish on. I agree. I, you know, I would say I probably got nothing to add to that because like, um, That was my. Uh, that was also my take. It's yeah, ship season. I, I have the ability to to rug your takes. I, I know because because you go first. And um, <laughs> but yeah, it's we're in this bear market, but it's hard not to get bullish when you see the yeah. ship season, when you see all yeah. the shipping. And you're right. This does smell like 2019, except 10x all 10X, the building that was going on in yeah. 2019. This is just so much bigger, right? The Arbitrum multi language support. It's so you compiled big. the EVM. This is so big for developers. The uh, optimist. Sorry, we didn't say this earlier, but when Arbitrum develops Stylus, like their EVM equivalent, 
that extends to the rest of Ethereum. I know. Like other so people big. can take this and run with it. It's well, not just Arbitrum. Uh, optimistic, like the OP stack with Bedrock that's coming oh to you. That's going to launch so bullish, uh, 100 dude. different so chains. Bullish. Um, like all of this stuff is happening now for, for builders. And um, we've got ZK EVMs right around the corner. <gasps> the apps dude, are shipping the Stark, hard. So, the was so bullish. Everything's so <laughs> bullish. <laughs> I mean, the building, right? And the it's building not, is. It's not reflecting in price right now, but it is a little bit. So I, I don't know about your earlier take like i don't know if i read the ta right it could go up mm. it could go down yeah, I know you don't who like knows TA. but you it's all like TA. it's all it's all it's build season man and uh it I, just it's huge it's we've yeah. come so far feels great that's it all right remember, meme of the week. uh before before meme of the week, uh i remember uh luke the editor who's editing this right now gave us uh when it, it was like officially the bear market like this was after like th- uh three hours capital collapsed luke was like you and Ryan are like giddy about the bear market. You guys are so excited. And it's because of moments of the shipping that has happened in the last, like since 2023 started, it's because stuff like this happens, like progress happens. And the signal about progress is so clear because the yeah. noise is all gone. Yeah. Uh, I and feel so like, we, like this is what we to, were looking forward to. We don't have to wave our hands around and be like, stop, just ignore this. Like, look at this. Right. It's, right. Very, it's very, it's just very clear. Uh, clear now mm. i think we'll go months into this and we'll be like oh i'm hungry for a bull market can, but can the tokens move that's please? partially why tokens are moving though i know that's why it's just like this is happening so quickly i don't feel like yeah. we've uh, embraced enough pain yet but uh anyway we'll see meme of the week david what are we looking at here Meme of the week. We actually got two memes of the week. Uh, so this is some guy who's uh, doing his one phone call out of jail and somebody in the background saying, hey, man, what, what are you in for? Uh, and the guy who's giving the phone call says, uh, I staked ETH with Rocket Pole and now I have life sentences with no parole. <laughs> oh, my God. It's uh, funny, but it's also scary. I know. Also. Uh, second meme. Uh, this was Ryan's meme. Nice job, Ryan. Uh, this is uh, Bitcoiners when they discover NFTs. Uh, and what we are looking at is what looks like a retirement home. And I think that I'm pretty sure this is physical therapy. This is like physical therapy, gamified, for, for, physical, yeah, therapy. gamified physical therapy. So they're playing all these fun games, uh, but they're just like, you know, just <laughs> puttering along. Do you know what? It's uh, honestly, I've never seen some elements of the Bitcoin community so happy with NFTs. Like yeah. other elements they are seething in rage. Everyone like, loves NFTs. Dude. They do. They do. That's why this video reminded me of uh, the good parts of the Bitcoin community. Uh, <laughs> that's it. That's the show today. Thanks that's for hanging show. with that's us. Extra long one, but I hope you enjoyed it. A lot of news to download during ship season. Risks and disclaimers. Gotta let you know, crypto is risky. So is DeFi. So is Ethereum. So is Bitcoin. All this stuff is. You definitely lose what you put in, but we are headed west. This is the frontier. It's not for everyone, but we're glad you're with us on the bankless journey. Thanks a lot. Hey, we hope you enjoyed the video. If you did, head over to Bankless HQ right now to develop your crypto investing skills and learn how to free yourself from banks and gain your financial independence. We recommend joining our daily newsletter, podcast, and community as a Bankless Premium subscriber to get the most out of your Bankless experience. You'll get access to our market analysis, our alpha leaks, and exclusive content, and even the Bankless token for airdrops, raffles, and unlocks. If you're interested in crypto, the Bankless community is where you want to be. Click the link in the description to become a Bankless Premium subscriber today. Also, don't forget to subscribe to the channel for in-depth interviews with industry leaders, Ask Me Anythings, and weekly roll-ups where we summarize the week in crypto and other fantastic content. Thanks everyone for watching and being on the journey as we build out the Bankless Nation.